Hi everyone, it's Carter. A quick disclaimer before the episode. Riley and I are teachers in the real world. That's not made up for the show. But one thing we do make up are students. Riley and I take our roles as public community members seriously and would never use the real names or personal experiences of students in our classes, past or present. As such, any student names you hear us say are made up on the spot, and stories about our classes are highly editorialized for entertainment. Also, we like to keep our show clean of inappropriate language or content, but we feel that the stories themselves should be read without censorship of language. A content warning will be in the show's description in case we need one. That's it. Enjoy the Fable Fellas. Deck the halls with fable fellas, fa la 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 la. I do not shop at Cabela's, fa la 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 la. Not this... because we disagree with Cabela's, <laughs> just because there aren't any Cabela's in our area. <laughs> this week's guest star is Will Ferrell, fa la 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 la. Hello, uh, I am proud. Capella's aficionado, <laughs> Carter. And I am the reason for the season, Riley. Happy holidays, Carter. If there's, if there's two things I love most in this world, it's Christmas and hunting, <laughs> hunting eight-point bucks. Buck hunting, mm-hmm. which I'm doing on the regular now, d- every day. Now, on December 24th, after, we'll say, about uh, 9 p.m., please do not use any of your Cabela's material. Otherwise, uh, we're going to be in for a very rough year afterwards, as Tim Allen has to find a new Santa Claus replacement. That's right. And where better to look than with the wonderful sales associates uh, at your local Cabela's Sporting Goods store. Any one of those fine people could make a great replacement Santa Claus, presuming that they use one of their many, many guns to shoot the original Santa Claus, taking his name, suit, and job. Yeah, in hindsight, wow, the Santa Claus would have been a lot more grim if it first came out, like, in our um, era. What if... (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. What if, Carter? (laughs) If the Santa Claus, who you know, the first... Okay, so Santa Claus 1 falls off the roof uh, through Tim Allen's inaction. Honestly, not that much of Tim Allen's fault. He just sort of distracted the guy, yeah, which is like... I'm pretty sure his entire, like, fault in the process was shouting, Hey, buddy. Yeah, hey, buddy, which is like manslaughter at best. I don't even think you could press those charges. I don't. If think I saw up. someone on my roof who wasn't supposed to be on my roof, I would also say, hey, buddy. Right. Is this, I think this the would... roof should have become Santa Claus, oh. or the snow on the roof should have become... <laughs> what if the roof was Santa Claus? Wow, really makes you think. That would be a stressful trip. I think I interrupted so your original thought about Tim Allen Santa Claus. Okay, so before... Here... Tim Allen, immediately, Santa Claus. Alright, so the magic is transferred in, like, those, you know, that second there. Mm-hmm. Tim Allen walks out into the street to, like, check his mail because his mail he's got one of those mailboxes on the other side of the road he's hit by a car is the guy driving that car who had no idea that tim allen had just killed santa claus (laughs) is he now santa claus oh i guess and if so he would have so little idea what was going on to him (laughs) as his body transforms as he grows a beard and he gets the wish lists and he's like what happened he's in jail because he's killed tim allen (laughs) you know it's kind of (laughs) 
crazy that the Santa Claus like reboot TV series that's now on Disney Plus didn't come out way sooner because everything set up in the first movie of the Santa Claus franchise basically makes it so you could Doctor Who that franchise forever. Yeah, right. This was like before. I mean, this is now. This is what they were looking through the their archives and going like, "What is the new? What's the new extended universe we can create?" What's the new like, hotness? well, we just we, yeah, we've established that we can create a new celebrity Santa Claus literally every year as long as that celebrity is okay with killing the previous celebrity. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That is probably the barrier that they're facing, that every time they try to reboot it, they've got to get someone on board with, okay, so in the first 20 minutes, you kill Santa. Because really, <laughs> Tim Allen is about the only person I can think of that would be really stoked to do that. <laughs> this is massively uh, problematic, actually, because, yes, you do have to... You do have to... It was an accident when Tim Allen did it. <laughs> but if they're going to reboot... If they're going to do this Doctor Whovian style, they have to do one of two things. One, they have to... Santa Claus only gets to do, like, one big thing every year. So either every new season, there's an... Every every new Christmas comes along, Disney Plus releases their next episodes of the Santa Claus with a new celebrity Whovian style. <laughs> which implies that every single Santa Claus has only gotten one Christmas? Well, I mean, Tim Allen or, got three, so it's not like we have to recycle them immediately, but that's true. you do have to talk about, okay, each season, obviously, they can't all just accidentally fall off the roof because someone shouted, hey, buddy, at yeah. them. Right. But if they ever just... They get wise to that pretty fast, I bet. They'd probably start wearing, like, you know, shoes with better grip. Yeah. And if you just introduce a new Santa and you don't showcase how this person became the new Santa by ending the life of the previous Santa, the fan base will call you cowards. <laughs> Commit to the bit! Have the strength of your convictions to show this person murking Santa Claus, the fans shout on Reddit. And if the Santa Claus is given many, many Christmases to essentially have a satisfying lifetime of being Santa, then you would have to fast forward through that pretty significantly. And then, you know, three seasons of the show, it's cyberpunk Santa because we're so far <laughs> into the future. Johnny Santa hands. <laughs> to make it okay that Santa, like, dies of retirement and they, like, you know, they enter a pact with the new Santa. <laughs> Wake up, Samurai. We've got presents to deliver. <laughs> this is good, though. I love the idea of a new Santa every year. Yeah. Anyway, this is a podcast where we read old fairy tales. That's correct. <laughs> Have we, uh... <laughs> and we listen to part 13 of the Zed Hunter. <laughs> it's the Z Fighter, Carter. Come on. The Zed Fighter. So, when we last left off, zombies were attacking, everyone was trying to escape. Let's see here. <clears throat> the zombies from the van had merged with the oncoming masses, and they shuffled in a mass procession. As they surged forward, the van lifted slightly into the air, like a man crowd-surfing at a concert, then fell over their sides with a crash. Followed by the squishing noise of several dozen squashed corpses. Wow, the a lot. The van was crowd surfing? Uh, yeah, so they surged forward. There was so many of them that the van was just kind of lifted up off the floor. And the second it lost <laughs> oh. that inertia, it fell forward and crushed a bunch of zombos. I see. It squished them squishily, or whatever you said. Yeah. 
I like that imagery, but boy, did I need to spend more than one sentence building it. Yeah, you could have also probably um, thesaurus to the word squish. Yeah, I did. Another way of saying that. <laughs> yeah, um, you know what? I think before that, in the first sentence, you used the word like mass twice. In the I, same sentence I sure too. did. You know what? I'm going to get a highlighter. <laughs> I'm going to mark this section. Once I'm done reading this, I, I'm going to mark certain places that I want to do a rewrite because I think that there's something there that my uh, my 16 year old brain just wasn't ready to spend time on. <laughs> Nope. We didn't want to do a lot of revisioning, revising. We really didn't, but it's so important. It's so important. I hated and the editing no and revising student process. wants to do that. That never goes away. Yeah. We all have the opinion that our first draft is our best draft. Some people don't grow out of it. Thankfully, yep. we did. Yep. <clears throat> DJ, Ron, hurry! Kyle yelled from the second on-ramp as he fired shot after shot into the relentless crowd, growing closer to their only escape route. As Kyle, at Kyle's yell, Ron looked over his shoulder as his blade turned several zombies' heads into mush. He took several quick steps backward before turning around and running alongside DJ, who was pushing skulls along in front of him. As he pushed skulls along, DJ fired his gun over his shoulder at the horde. Ron dove at the zombies up front, and one fell swoop sent several moldy heads flying into the air. Taking advantage of the break-in attacks, DJ threw Skulls onto the on-ramp floor, where Kyle dragged him back to his feet and pushed him up the on-ramp, with DJ, Ron, and the undead horde close behind. Riley's blade made a slicing sound as it sliced. <laughs> wow, there's no, a... No, you did it again! Dang it! I really got... He sliced as he sliced! I really got tired uh, during this day on the writing, huh? As it, <laughs> Three times in one page. As it sliced a zombie right in half, then made a squelching sound as he stabbed it again through the top of the head squelchily. No, that last one didn't as exist. He squelched Squelch, it the head. He squelched along with squelching determination. <laughs> he stepped over the mutilated corpse and made his way up the stairwell. For three straight levels, zombies had piled out of the mall entrances and joined the mob that was only a floor beneath them. Now they had reached the final stairwell leading to the roof, and they could hear the moans of the flesh-hungry monstrosities below them as they took a quick break to reload and catch their breath. What's the deal with all these zombies? It doesn't say read this in a Seinfeld voice, but it's exactly what is written, and that's the brainworm I'm stuck with. So, um... It's the zombie apocalypse, whatever character just said that. <laughs> DJ yelled as he pulled out yet another clip for his gun. What are all these people doing in the mall? Looters, man, Ron mumbled from the doorway as he rubbed a washcloth fiercely at his blood-bathed chainsaw. The city erupts into panic. Millions flock instinctively to the shopping places to get what they can. Medicine, guns, camping supplies, the necessities... Where do they get them, Riley? Where do they get all that stuff? The mall, I guess. Where would be, where would be the best place for, <laughs> for that kind of stuff, do you think? He laughed, then pulled out a bag of sunflower seeds and crunched down on a big handful of them. Ron really likes sunflower I think it'd seeds. be on Cabela's, Riley. <laughs> oh, you, Cabela's. Well, you're totally right. <laughs> <laughs> We're not sponsored by Cabela's. It's the only thing I could think of that rhymed with fellas. <laughs> no, but this is good practice. Yep. For when our podcast really takes off. Yep. Let's see. Not every looter was clean, though. He continued in between crunches. Just a couple people infected without their family and friends knowing. 
And who's going to pay attention to someone who's looking under the weather when you're busting out the Fred Meyers game case? Next thing you know, the undead is shuffling loose in the mall. The result is kind of like fire starting up in a crowded theater. While I appreciate the history lesson, Cal said breathlessly, can we do something about him? He motioned over to Skulls, who lay on the floor looking pretty scuffed up. I've been dragging him up here the whole time, and if the zombies don't kill me, my arms will. So, I'm sure there's going to be another altercation with Skulls up next, so I'll save that for next time. Next time. Well, we left off on a cliffhanger in our story, One Eye, Two Eyes, Three Eyes, and part two (laughs) begins now. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, so previously, the uh, little two eyes met a woman who said, he just say this to your goat and food will p- appear magically. And then her sister has found out about it, and so the mom killed the goat with a butcher's knife, and now you're caught up. <sighs> yep, this family is awful. <laughs> like, ontologically <laughs> evil, even distracting <laughs> from the point that... <laughs> like, even if we were to ignore... The way that they are, like, not kind to her. The fact that they are this upset over the fact that she just had more food when before they left her to starve. Messed up. I will also say there is a illustration here of the two sisters and the mother. The little, the, interestingly, the uh, littlest, no, the littlest sister is the oldest sister, I think. Yeah. Or the youngest. So there is three eyes on her face. There's one eye on the older sister and the mom. Seems perfectly normal. Oh, great. Now then... So what, is she just playing the rule of numbers? I've got two messed up daughters who hate my two-eyed daughter. I should play the field. Yeah. And that's not to say anything about uh, folks out there who uh, have have only one eye. Of course not. But this has been established that little one eye has like a big cyclops eye in the middle of her forehead. (laughs) Um, Which I don't think you can draw a parallel to between people in the real world who... You know, have lost an eye or a board without one. Yeah. If anything, the messed up thing is not the amount of eyes they have, but the amount of cruelty in their hearts. Exactly. When Little Two Eyes saw that, the goat dying, she went out full of grief, seated herself on a hillock, and wept bitter tears. All at once, the wise woman stood near her again. Poof, smoke bomb. Oh boy, this again. (laughs) Little Two Eyes, why do you cry? Shall I not cry? The goat who every day when I said your little verse laid the table so beautifully has been killed by my mother. Now I must suffer hunger and thirst again. The wise woman said, Little two eyes, I will give you some good advice. Beg your sisters to give you the heart of the murdered goat and bury it in the ground before the house door and it will turn out lucky for you. Then she disappeared. That cloud of smoke. That's way more (laughs) ominous than say a silly rhyme and get some food. Yeah, I'm starting Uh-oh. not to trust this woman. Yeah, that uh, that's kind of got some of the Vivich vibes. Bury the heart out on the hill. Uh, not even out on the hill. In front of the front door to your house. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> then she disappeared, and Little Two Eyes went home and said to her sisters, uh, Dear sisters, give me some part of my goat. I don't ask for anything good. Only give me the heart. Then they laughed and said, Haha, You can have that if you do not want anything else. Little Two Eyes took the heart and buried it quietly in the evening, before the house door, after the advice of the wise woman. Next morning, when the sisters woke and went to the house door together, there stood a most wonderfully splendid tree, with leaves of silver and fruit of gold hanging between them. And they can't get out of the house. (laughs) Yeah, and they couldn't get out, trapping them. Nothing more beautiful or charming could be seen in the wide world. 
but they did not know how the tree had come there in the night. Little Two-Eyes alone noticed that it had grown out of the heart of the goat, for it stood just where she had buried it in the ground. Yeah, we know. Yeah, we, yeah. Think. We, yeah, we know. We, fi- we, we could figure that, that out. We, could, we figured that part out as the readers. Then the mother Maybe said to Little One-Eyes. trust your readers just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. That, the tree grew because of the goat heart, Riley. Because you get it? What? Right, because the wise woman. I thought it was just one of those Batman, things. Batman told her to bury the heart in front of the door. <laughs> it's like in Jack and the Beanstalk, you yeah. didn't need someone to tell you, and then the beans went in the ground, and then the beans sprouted the beanstalk, and the beanstalk went to the sky. Like, we, I don't know why I had <laughs> there was a There was a beanstalk outside, you know, on account of the bean seeds. <laughs> yeah, I like your delivery better because you didn't drift into a weird slam poetry stanza. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what you were doing. I'm just feeling very musical today, I suppose. I see. Oh, it's probably because of that visit last week that you got from our special guest. Oh, that's right. Ariana Grande has touched me with her dark curse. Little One-Eye, climb up, my child, and gather us some fruit from the tree. Little One-Eye climbed up, but when she wanted to seize a golden apple, the branch sprang out of her hand. This happened every time, so that she could not gather a single apple, though she tried as hard as she could. Then the mother said, Little Three Eyes, do you climb up? You can see better about you with your three eyes than Little One Eye can. (laughs) (laughs) I like that she has so much contempt for her daughter with the with the normal amount of eyes. I was trying to find the most uh, like even way to say that, but I like that she has so much contempt for two eyes that she doesn't even go like numerically in order. It's one, then three. Okay, fine, back to two. Little One-Eyes scrambled down and Little Three-Eyes climbed up, but Little Three-Eyes was no cleverer and might look about her as much as she liked. The golden apples always sprang back from her grasp. At last, the mother became impatient and climbed up herself, but could touch the fruit just as little as Little One-Eye or Little Three-Eyes. She always grasped the empty air. Then Little Two-Eyes said, I will go up myself. Perhaps I shall prosper better. You, cried the (laughs) sisters, with your two eyes, what can you do? This is becoming a real Cinderella story. <laughs> right? But little two eyes climbed up, and the golden apples did not spring away from her, but dropped of themselves into her hand. <laughs> okay, here I come, <laughs> said the apple, so that she could gather one after another and brought down a whole apron full. Her mother took them from her, and instead of her sisters, little one eye and little three eyes, behaving any better to pour little two eyes for it, they were only envious because she alone could get the fruit and behave still more cruelly to her. They're going to yeah, get a- apple picking, <laughs> two-eyed apple picker picks apples. Whoa, oh, Carter! How you, you like it? To, wow, you have to bleep that out. I know, right? Climbing trees. <laughs> wow, look at you climbing up a tree, picking apples. Hate you so much. Mm. Get in your corner. So now in that bad. corner. No, no that yeah, the corner. corner. Get out of here. That corner. Yeah, different corner. Why don't you go? Switch corners now. Why don't you go pick a golden apple from the goat tree while you're at it? Yeah, goat heart tree picking apple picker. <laughs> They're going to get such a bad tummy ache when they eat those apples. Right. They're going to turn into goats when they eat the apples. made of gold. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. <laughs> you know what? They'll try. It happened as they stood together by the tree one day that a young knight came riding by on a fine horse. Oh? Quick, little two eyes, cried the two sisters. Creep under that. Uh, creep under that. We may not be ashamed of you. And threw over poor little two eyes <laughs> what in a great on hurry. earth? An empty cask that stood just by the tree and pushed also beside her the golden apples which she had broken off. So they put her in a big cask. Neat. Now as the knight came nearer, he proved to be a handsome prince 
who stood still, admired the beautiful tree of gold and silver, and said to the two sisters, So how do you get out of the front door? (laughs) (laughs) So how many eyes does the knight have? That's a good question. It doesn't say. It's almost like that doesn't matter when it has nothing to do with the story. No, he really asks, To whom does this beautiful tree belong? She who gives me a branch of it shall have whatever she wishes. Oh. Okay. uh Okay. Silver branch of the tree. Then little one eye and little three eyes answered that the tree was theirs, and they would break off a branch for him. Both gave themselves a great deal of trouble, but it was of no use, for the branches and fruit sprang back from them every time. Then the knight said, It is very wonderful that the tree belongs to you, and yet you have not the power of gathering anything from it. (laughs) (laughs) Rude. Nice tree. Nice tree, idiot. How would you get a branch (laughs) from it? Why are you going to grow a tree you can't use? (laughs) Seems stupid. Plus, you can't get out your door anymore. Yeah, also, what's up with your eyeball? (laughs) They insisted, however, that the tree was their own property. But as they spoke, little Two-Eyes rolled a few golden apples from under the cask, so that they ran to the feet of the knight. For little Two-Eyes was angry that little One-Eye and little Three-Eyes did not tell the truth. And also that they killed her goat, and that they relentlessly bullied her and left her to starve most nights. But no, it was really that they were being fibby about the tree. That's my tree. That's my tree. It's my silver tree with the golden apples. I buried the goat heart. (laughs) <laughs> sorry you what i nothing Night- planted nice hug <laughs> heart seed uh. yeah whatever i'm not ashamed of my two eyeballs <laughs> you can't make me be ashamed when the knight saw the apples he was astonished and asked where they had came from Little One-Eye and Little Three-Eyes answered that they had another sister, who might not, however, show herself, because she only had two eyes, like other common people. And the knight said, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, what on earth are what you, are you What are you two absolute horror shows talking about? <laughs> but the knight desired to see her and called out, Little Two-Eyes, come out. Then Little Two-Eyes came out of the cask quite comforted. He said, whoa, Nelly! <laughs> oh my gosh, you didn't tell me. I, I mean, you said it, but you really can't prepare yourself for two eyeballs in somebody's head. <laughs> no, no, it's that she has two eyeballs and that's normal, but from the waist down, she is an octopus. <laughs> like, this is just a story about burying the lead. This, what if this was, what if these weren't people at all, but like, were, were some animal that doesn't have any eyes to speak of? <laughs> like, it is kind of crazy that this one all of a sudden is three. <laughs> the knight was astonished at her great beauty. And said, You, little two eyes, can certainly gather me a branch from the tree. Yes, answered little two eyes, I can do that, for the tree belongs to me. And she climbed up and easily broke off a branch, with its silver leaves and golden fruit, and handed it to the knight. Then the knight said, Little two eyes, what shall I give you for it? Oh, answered little two eyes, I suffer hunger and thirst, sorrow and want, from early morning to late evening. If you would take me with you and free me, I should be happy. My one then, my one request is that you call Child Protective Services. Yeah, take me with you. Please. I don't know you, but anything is better than all the they crusts. killed my do- They killed my goat. <laughs> they put me in a corner. They put me in the other corner. This place is hell. Get me out of here. <laughs> a scary woman who disappears and reappears in smoke keeps teaching me how to do magic and told me to bury a goat heart. 
And honestly, it was pretty cool, but I know it's only a matter of time. I don't want to see what the nebulous, malicious third thing she asks of me is. Please get me out of here before it's too late. It has worked out so far, but the vibe is not right with that lady. Yeah, the rule of threes is against me here. (laughs) Let's get out right now. I gotta leave the story. (laughs) Then the knight lifted little two eyes upon his horse and took her home to his father's castle. There he gave her beautiful clothes, food and drink, and as much as she wanted. And because he loved her so much, he married her, and the marriage was celebrated with great joy. Woo! Yay. Now when Little Two Eyes yay, was taken away by the happiness Whoops. Now when Little Two Eyes was taken away by the handsome knight, the two sisters envied her very much her happiness. Prince stealing little <laughs> tree climbing. Prince stealing two tree eyes. climbing, goat burying, <laughs> always never hungry. Magic lady talking two-eyed uh, freakazoid two-eyed. <laughs> I hate her so much. oh god i'm so mad the wonderful tree remains for us though th- uh, thought they and even though we cannot gather any fruit off it everyone will stand before it come to us and praise it but next morning the tree had disappeared and all their hopes with it little two eyes lived happily a long time once two poor women came to see her at the castle and begged alms then Little Two Eyes looked in their faces and recognized her sisters. Gee, I wonder what eye. landmarks she used to recognize them. <laughs> it's been so long. Something about you two seems very familiar. Mm, that birthmark on your chin looks oddly familiar. Yeah. That one nestled right between your first, third, and second. <laughs> Wait a minute! <laughs> oh, Three Eyes, is that you? Then little two eyes, oh yeah, recognized her sisters, little one eye and little three eyes, who had fallen into such poverty that they had to wander about and seek their bread from door to door. Little two eyes, however, bade them welcome and was very good to them, for they both repented from their hearts the evil they had done to their sister in their youth. Oh. The end. Well, that's a nice way to wrap it up. You know, talking about rising above cruelty done to you and not repeating the process. Yeah, the scary Vavitch does not come back to fulfill the rule of threes and clearly do what was going to be the great sacrifice of her time. Well, see, she saw uh, she saw little two eyes on the knight's uh, horse, like heading over the hill. We just see her like snap her fingers and disappear in a cloud of locusts. Yeah, she's like, ah, nuts. She'd been waiting on the hillock the whole time for something else to happen. Mm-hmm. For like the mom to chop the tree down. She's like, okay, if I can just get her to come crying to this hillock a third time. That's when I can finally tell her that if she only gives the blood from her palms to me, I will. <laughs> and then I can to, unseal I the Ginnungagap and unleash a new <laughs> era of terror. That's right. I've already grown the tree as bounty. I've taught the little girl a spell. It's time to unleash Gugagnug. <laughs> this is basically just Hellhole. <laughs> if you're if you thinking of watching Hellhole on Netflix, maybe don't. Yeah, don't watch Hellhole on Netflix. Get out! Go see the great outdoors. Yeah, watch Get Out instead. Yeah. And, you know, while you're outside, you might think to yourself, this is so beautiful. I wish I could shoot that deer (laughs) over there. (laughs) Carter, what do you think about the morals of this story? Well, frankly, I mean, this is definitely a story of somebody being the much bigger person uh, at the end of the day. But you are also very much able to be a bigger person when all of your needs have been met because uh, a, a, a witch told you how to grow a magic tree that attracted a prince that you got to marry and live in a castle. Yeah, yeah, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs does say that getting food and shelter comes first. I thought it was interesting how, at the very outset of the story, it was making a commentary about prejudice, right? And it does that 
thing that oftentimes you'll see people doing with like younger students where, you know, they show, you know, what if prejudice was based around something a lot more innocuous or silly? Like what if it was prejudice against people who have blue eyes or have a red sweatshirt? Like, I'm sure you probably either saw that or experienced it growing up, right? Stories oh, yeah. about, uh, trying well, to... this is, this, this is your sneeches on the beaches. With yeah. The stars upon on the beaches. Yeah. So it's, you know, highlighting the just pure, illogical nature of prejudice by highlighting something innocuous and saying, hey, it doesn't matter if it's based on someone's background or creed or skin color or something like physical features or something as silly as if they have a star on their sneeches. But prejudice does not serve anybody. It just is a tool of the mean-spirited. But what's I, interesting about this story, though, is that it, it it kind of turns it on its head because the very the 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 person who would presumably be part of the popular majority is the one who is getting picked on simply because apparently she's not let out let out of the house except to drive the goat uh, to the field. Yeah, and I think that's kind of why I said the thing about um. Like it being, you know, prejudice based on if you're wearing a red sweatshirt, because a kid could think, oh, I have a red sweatshirt. In this case, someone would read the story and think, oh, I have two eyes. I could be getting this treatment and it wouldn't be fair. But I do think that it doesn't quite mesh with the fairy godmother slash uh, nebulous evil witch on the hillock plot. I think it kind of gets away from itself there. Well, we'll notice that there's so many little parallels between these stories. Like there was another story I was going to read, which had started almost exactly the same way where a dude gets like a magic tablecloth that makes food for him. (laughs) Um, And we can maybe read that one next week, but it totally goes a different direction and it ends in violence. Oh, great. Which is kind of hysterical. But so it's funny. That's like these kinds of, it's almost like, you know, it's, it's almost like, all of these fairy tales were not necessarily meant to be perfect <laughs> stories published by, like, you know, your Disney's these days. And they're all just kind of variations and mutations on the same common principles. But the details are constantly in flux and, and fold over and show up here and there because they were being told orally and spread through, you know, campfires. Yeah. There does seem to be a little bit of inconsistency with how some of these stories plan out. The best, you know, the most important thing, as they say in the beginning of the popular edition of the Junior Classics, let's see. It is no mere accident that by far the greater part of this literature is fiction. The world of children is a world of imagination. Their contact with fact has not been long enough nor intimate enough to give them that critical sense of the actual and possible that restricts the horizons of their elders. Hmm. There's actually, I will say, the um, the the introduction to this book is so thoughtfully written and beautiful about like children and the love of stories that I I just want to like read the whole thing as like a special episode at one point. Oh, it's all like right. A, it's like a page dedication to the imagination of children. That's where it starts. Um, it's so good. All right, let's let's also do that next episode then. Yeah. All right, we are on Spotify and Google Play podcasts and. Apple Podcasts, iTunes. If you review our podcast or share it with other people, it helps out the show. Uh, Natch and <laughs> Riley's going to take us home. All right. I'm Riley. And I'm Carter. And we are the Fable Fellas. Thanks for watching Fellas. and keep it vidi, everybody. Vidi, 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 vidi.